I'll get into our scripture in just a moment. I wanted to thank everybody, obviously, that had a hand in making this uh, happen. And, uh, you know, I think it was, it was this morning at about, I want to say, 8.30 that Sister Hoff and I was downstairs getting ready, and uh, my phone was blowing up. I could hear it through my laptop because the phone was upstairs. And so I'm like, who's calling this many times this early in the morning? Well, I ended up going back to my, uh, up to the bedroom, checked the phone, and, and Pastor has just not been able to beat this bug that he was fighting. And so about 8.30, they said, hey, listen, we'll see you at the 11.30. Uh, and I said, no problem. We'll get you covered. And then at, I think it was 11.15, Sister Hoffman said, well, we're not able to come at all. So please make sure that you keep Pastor in prayer and Sister Hoffman as they're trying to get healthy. Uh, so you're stuck with me. Uh, as of 8.30 this morning. So it's going to be super short, but super good. How's that? <laughs> but I did, uh, I just wanted to thank every guest that is here. Obviously, you've heard from Jeremiah that we started this campaign about 18, 19 months ago, uh, raising to build something to service our community. We are multiple services. And for most of you, that's great because you just show up to which one fits you. But for a lot of us, we start at 8 a.m. here, and a lot of times we don't leave till 2 or 3. So I look forward to also having everybody together under one roof, worshiping together, having community with each other. And so that uh, is coming. So we started that nearly 19 months ago. Well, that's when the campaign was launched, but we had been meeting for, I want to say, six to eight months prior to that making sure that the systems were in place to facilitate growth and handle the finances. And so we have been uh, plotting through this, but this is an exciting time. And uh, I am excited for where we are. And I did want to clarify one thing from our worship con this weekend, just to avoid all of the calls and I'm sure confusion and pretty much the calls that Pastor Draylon would get. Uh, Draylon Young Music is not coming out with new music this Friday. It won't be live. But here's the good news. First Church has its first set of worship songs coming out. We have, our team has written our very own stuff. Obviously, Pastor Draylink is helping us. And so First Church, you're going to hear, you want to be here Friday night. Be here Thursday night, Friday night, but you will want to be in the room when you get to hear some of your very own, uh, what we have been able to put together as a worship set for music. And I'll put in a shameless plug-in for our Christmas service, December 17th. But we also have concluded writing our first Christmas song together. So that's going to be really great. So give yourselves a hand for being part of a great church with vision to write music and, and to produce music. So uh, it's been just a great couple of weeks, these past couple of weeks. But why don't we stand? We'll get into the word of God and just kind of put a cap to all of this that we've been hearing about with Let's Imagine, what Jeremiah has done. Uh, but I'll pull a few scriptures. They don't even have any notes because this is literally hot off the press. So Matt will probably go as fast as he can. Most of what I'll read is in the NIV. Uh, so you're just going to have to be flexible with me this morning. Uh, but I believe God gave me something. I've been thinking about this. And so uh, it goes hand in hand. But I'm just going to read from Nehemiah chapter 2, uh, verse, just the first couple of verses. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought to him, I look, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had been sad in his presence before. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it that you want? 
Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servants have found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked him, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I set, everybody say, set a time. Just for a few moments, I want to talk about setting a time. And I want us to pray real quick, and then you can be seated. Lord, I'm grateful for what we felt in the worship set. It is obvious that you are in this room, that your spirit has manifested itself and has swept through this house. And so, Lord, for the next moment or two, I want you to talk to us on what it takes, Lord, as we set this time to be able to reach the city and to continue building what you have trusted us with in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Nehemiah is one of my favorite leaders because I can identify with Nehemiah on several different levels. See, Nehemiah, he was really a nobody. We don't know much about Nehemiah when you uh, begin to read the book of Nehemiah in the first chapter. He was the son of, of Hecala. And if you go anywhere else in scripture, you will not find that name again. Hecala is mentioned one time and that's his father. And so knowing that he comes from a poor lineage, he wasn't well known, wasn't from a priestly lineage, didn't have, uh, it wasn't from rather Ezra who was like a prophet or Malachi, didn't come from a, a prophetical lineage, uh, but he was a layman, he was not a priest or anything, but he really served at the king's court as a cupbearer. That's why when we're in scripture, he brought the king a cup of wine and they were talking about why he looked so sad. And I've always found that interesting because uh, if you don't know me, I really come from nothing. I, I've come from, I've got a great father who is in the room. I love my dad, great mom, great family. Uh, but if I said the name Neto, none of you, most of you found out what Portuguese people were when we moved here. You had no idea we were a race. Most of you thought I was either Arabic, Italian, like depending on the length of my beard, you would define me by that culture, if we're being honest. So I've heard everything but Portuguese. So you're welcome if you don't know any Portuguese people. I am the first Portuguese person you know now. You're welcome. I've got a great dad, but we don't have this great lineage where we're known. And so it took Nehemiah, who served at the king's court, somebody that had been passionate. He was from Jerusalem originally. And so here he ends up after Jerusalem kind of dispersed. Uh, give you a little bit of context. When Jerusalem was destroyed, Nebuchadnezzar was the king at the time of Babylon, and, and he actually had a commander, uh, Nebuzadar. He actually uh, went into Jerusalem, and he basically pillaged the whole city, destroyed the walls, lit everything on fire, and destroyed it all. And the city was somewhat rebuilt, but the walls were never rebuilt to the city. They were still in ruin. And so here, God gives Nehemiah this vision of rebuilding the walls, and when you look at Nehemiah and you look at him, a person that had no great lineage, didn't have a name, didn't come back with all this financing. Matter of fact, I believe Nehemiah serving his king at that time uh, was actually training grounds for where he was about to go. If you are not serving on a team right now at First Church, I ask you to serve a team because oftentimes where you serve is where God equips you to where you're going. A lot of times those lessons that we learn, they are gathered in places of serving. 
Oftentimes we look at somebody with a really great gifting and we'll say, wow, look at them. I, I really want what they have. We have no idea the hours and what they put into night after night, week after week, year after year into achieving their goal because somewhere they had to serve before they became a great musician. Somewhere they were learning lessons on the keyboard or on the drums or vocally or whether it's being an architect. There was some schooling. There was time they had to serve and then they developed the gifting that they had. And so Nehemiah is a great picture of First Church. If you look at First Church, we have one of the greatest leaders, Harold Hoffman, our pastor. Love him. We love you, sir. He's online watching. But if you look at Harry Hoffman, He didn't come with this name where everybody knew him. But yet Harry Hoffman instilled some things into Harold Hoffman, and Harold Hoffman has instilled things into us. But it came from a place of not notoriety or having this clout and position. It was a hardworking coal mining father and mother that poured into his son that God has now trusted us with this vision of taking a church that was maybe 60 or 70 to now, as of last week, we're averaging about 350 So that is God using the nobody to become somebody, the nobody to be able to reach and grow what we have been doing. But it started with nobody. It started with a person that didn't have notoriety, just like Nehemiah. So if you're in this house and you think you don't have any value, I'm here to correct you. You have plenty of value. You matter to this house. You are important to First Church. You are important to this community. Whether you have a name, whether you are recognized, whether anybody knows you or you're well-known in your city or at work, I want you to know that right now at First Church, you are vital to the cause. We can't do this without you. Those of you that are online, we can't do this without you. It takes everybody. So whether you are known or, or not known, it's going to take all of us. When I was looking at this number earlier... Uh, I, I was, we, we all celebrate the three, right? Everybody went nuts when we saw the three, correct? Matter of fact, at the 915, as soon as they saw the three, I won't name names, people started running laps around the room. There were people like, you could tell who was working out. People jogging around the room. They saw the three and they flipped out. So what do we do? We celebrate the three, but you know what I'm the most proud of? And this isn't even altered. These are the numbers that were given to us uh, at, at the beginning. And I'll explain to you the number in just a moment. But that 99 is what's so important to me. But you know why? Because it counts. Every penny counts. I saw somebody come up this morning at the 915 and I, and I saw them drop a handful of change in, in that box. That to me is just as important as somebody that's as depositing a large amount. Because every penny counts. And how we got to that 99 is just as important as how we got to the three. Now, listen, are you probably wondering, like, are you guys a bunch of liars? Like, we've been saying one million, now we're at two, and all of a sudden we just got a million out of nowhere. Let me tell you how that happened. Well, when we started this campaign, we had several hundred thousand in savings. And again, as, as pastor was given the green light to release the vision to build this new campus, uh, we started preparing, started tightening budgets well before anybody knew. We started planning for these things. And we took that several hundred thousand that we had in savings and we were able to invest it. And so with the investment up to date, that, that first number that we had equaled a million. And so we kind of sat on that for a minute because truly what we started with the campaign, the, the, the ground floor uh, was zero because what we had before, we weren't, we weren't saying that was for us. Even though we knew where we were going, it wasn't raised specifically for that just yet. So at that point, we decided, hey, let's just hold on to that 
because scripture talks about, I'll talk about it in a minute, be, be not weary in well-doing. A three-year campaign is a lot of work. It takes a lot to get here. And sometimes when while we're doing is sacrificing and we're working, sometimes it's easy to lose sight of what we're trying to do. And so we felt like, hey, you know what? We'll give them a shot in the arm for all of us. We'll wait till about halfway through the campaign and really show you what we really have. And so it's true that we had the $2 million that we've raised, but we were smart financially prior to us starting the campaign. And so that is how we are now at $3 million. Just so nobody's saying, oh, they're hiding money from us. No, it was original money that we had set aside, but we've obviously put it all into that Let's Imagine fund. And here we are. But it took a bunch of nobodies like Nehemiah to say, you know what? I will answer the call. And so here, when you look at Jerusalem and its walls being burnt down, it was another trigger for me to think as, you know, scripture talks so much about the natural and the supernatural. The natural always, something is birthed out of the natural into the supernatural. You can make a lot of parallel uh, conversations with those. And when you look at Jerusalem and how the walls were built, I think it's in verse six that, nope, it's verse uh, three And he said, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried? They lie in ruins and its gates have been destroyed. I think it was notable that Nehemiah felt the pain of those around him. I think it was notable that Nehemiah felt sad. And there was something in his heart that said, man, there are things that are ruined all around me. We buried our ancestors. Things are still broken. And there are people, every one of us knows somebody in this city or in the community that you live in that either you have buried, that you're close to, there are things that are dysfunctional. And so every one of us should be tied to the vision of rebuilding once again. This city is broken. I I hate to tell you this, but if you look around the city, the community, this world is broken. We've heard a lot about what's happening right now in Israel and the war and what's going around globally. There's so much that it can be depressing if you spend so much time in the news and so we'll preach oftentimes that, yes, he is coming, and he is coming. And, and, but we need to look at and say, all right, just like Nehemiah said, listen, I have ancestors that are buried there. I have people that still live there, and things are torn down. And spiritually, there are hurting people in our city. And it's going to take First Church to create a place where they can heal. It's going to take us to put something together that will reach this city, that can go beyond these walls and be able to affect those in our communities. And so Nehemiah, who was a nobody, answered the call of God and said, I will go there. 800-mile journey from where he was to where he needed to go was 800 miles. And this seems like an 800-mile journey trying to raise $5 million or more. But I don't want you to lose courage because here, Nehemiah, who learned some things serving at the king's feet, just like we are learning some things serving with each other at the king's feet, we're going to take what we are learning and we're going to take that outside of these walls and be able to build something great. And so when you look at the building and where we are, we're halfway through the campaign. And I want you to take notice into the time portion of this. When you look at building, matter of fact, when you look at the timing of things, Sister Gina said something powerful. When It's, it's crazy when we see, uh, I believe it was Elisha that prayed the prayer of uh, a suicidal prayer, right? Here he'd seen all these miracles, and what does he do? He takes off, finds a tree, sits down by the tree, and the man of God prays a suicidal prayer. 
You ever sit there as men and women of God and pray something suicidal? Like, Lord, I can't handle this anymore. It's over for me. I'm done dealing with these people. I'm done dealing with this junk. I'm done dealing with, with my family. I'm done dealing with these people. You ever pray that prayer? Let's be honest here. And here the man of God sits at a tree and prays like, I'm done. And, and Sister Gina said he threw in the towel, but God threw it back and said, no, you're not done. Wipe your face and it's time to move forward. And so while I appreciate the honest message that God is coming, he is coming back for his bride. Make no mistake, he is coming for a clean church, for a clean person. But I don't want to hang our hat on and say, well, if he's coming, what's the point of everything? If he's coming, then why should we keep building? Because that could become the attitude we have where it could become so heavy with what's going on in the world that we oftentimes will say, then what's the point of all of this? I remember going through a couple of years ago, we've, I, I'd gone through, it felt like battle after battle after battle. I couldn't catch a break for two years. It felt like it was something new every other month. And I remember praying that prayer, like, God, what's the point of all of this? Everything gets taken or everything is hurt. The people around you are hurting. It's, it's like you get so overwhelmed with life that you forget what the point is. And if you're going to come, then come quickly. And we don't want to do anything. And here, Nehemiah is saying, listen, there is some hope still. There is something that we still need to be doing. And so I don't want to do a disservice to every student and every young adult in this church and say, hey, listen, let's just shut it down. Let's just coast the rest of life. God's coming and we're not going to plan. If he comes, great. But if he's not, then I want the next 30 years to be ready for the students and the, and the people that will find their way to first church. I don't want to just settle and be cheap and hang my hat on this. He's coming back as an excuse not to do the work. But watch the timing. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 6, again, he said, We built the wall till it reached half of its height, for the people worked with all of their heart. That's in chapter 4. So here, here's the timeline. Nehemiah 4, verse 6. We built the wall till all of it reached half its height. Everybody say half its height. The people worked with all of their heart. I would say we've built half its height right now. We've raised half its height. We've done every can. The people have worked with all of their heart. We're halfway to the goal. I remember saying, you know, it was, it was 3,000 is, is the miracle number because we thought we could build for five. Well, we started talking to the architect, met with the architect uh, actually just a couple of days ago, myself, Brother Makito, and Greg Westlake. We all met with the architect, and he was going through some things. But the more we look at it and the price per square foot, it's really going to be seven to $8 million. Could be a little bit north. We don't know what it's going to do in the next two years with building material. But we do know one thing. At first, we thought it was five to six, so we needed three million. Maybe we would float two million if we needed to. Maybe. Well, now that it's more seven or eight million, had we stayed at three million, that would have been pretty tough going to five. But look at what God did. It might cost a little bit more, but we have more than what we thought we'd have by now anyways. So God will provide. If he truly called First Church to do this, he's going to provide a way. The provision will be on its way. And we can see that it's happening right now. But I'm going to read a few of these verses in Nehemiah chapter 4. Read the whole chapter, especially 6. Great, great chapter. But when you read Nehemiah chapter 4, I'll skip through a few verses. Verse 7, so we know at verse 6 they are halfway building the wall. Verse 7, but when Samalot, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Amnites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. I want you to know you're always going to have the haters and the naysayers. There are always going to be these idiots that tell you not to build right now. 
There's always going to be people that don't believe in the dream or the vision that you have. So if you are rocking with people in your life right now that aren't bought into the vision that God has given you, you need to let them go. If you have naysayers in your life right now that are hurting the progression of your life, you need to learn how to let those relationships grow. There were naysayers and haters back then. When he started building the wall, they were mocking him. They were wanting to attack him. And what did Nehemiah say? He kept them pushing. So if, if here we are halfway, there will be plenty of people that say, just keep running multiple services. Everybody doesn't need to be in the same room. You don't, you don't need $8 million. What a, you don't need to put everybody in the same room. Just, just keep doing that. You're fine. Or you're never going to do it. In today's climate, financially, what are you doing? You're always going to have those people. But when God gives you a vision, it is your responsibility to follow it. Not based on anybody else's. It's God said it. This is what we're doing. And so when God said to first church, hey, we're going to do something greater and bigger to serve this city, not our own agenda. Who are we to say, let's just settle down real quick. Let's just pull the reins back. But here in verse 8, it says, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and serve trouble against it. Verse 10, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is much trouble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Halfway through, they started to exhaust themselves. They became weary, like in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. They became weary and well-doing. They had a great cause, but they were tired. And here we are, church. We're halfway through, and we have a decision to make. Are we going to push through, or are we going to relax a little bit? Does this city really deserve something that we can answer, or are we just going to be happy that we can sit in this room? We had a great worship set this morning at the 9.15 and at the 11.30. There are people outside of these walls that would love to have the hope that you have. There are people in the city that would love to feel what you feel in this room, the community you have here, that are lonely and abandoned outside of these walls. And we have a choice. Am I going to be weary and well-doing or am I going to continue to press forward? Verse 14, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fights for your families your sons, your daughters, and your wives, and your homes. Isn't that encouraging to know that the, that the very God we serve and that we're trying to do something to reach the city is the very same God that has been watching over our families, our homes, the people that we are around. That ought to encourage you and say, you know what? He has been watching over me. I can't relax right now. What does that say to him who has never stopped watching over my family? And so here, Nehemiah is encouraging them and saying, but look at what God did for your family. So if you're tired right now, if you're tired with living life, trying to be this Christian, trying to make it work, I want you to take a look around because when you, when you walk into first church, you inherit a family. You're no longer alone. You might not have names for all the faces, but I promise you that you have a family here and that you are safe in this house. 15, when our enemies heard that they were, that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall each to do our own work. The enemy is well aware of where we are. Remember, he can't read your mind. He can only read your actions. So the enemy is seeing what is going on here. Okay, first church has raised some money. All right, first church, they're growing in size. Okay, First Church is now global. They literally send their money all over the planet, which is why 
we are pushing and we believe that God will allow us to build something with cash so we don't ever have to stop sending our missionaries. Dwayne West is in this house. I just saw Dwayne floating around. There he is. He's our missionary. In just a couple of months, I believe he's going back out to Africa, I believe, for several weeks. We are sending a missionary out. Why? To reach the world, to spread this gospel everywhere. I think it was earlier this week, we have partnered, it was last week, we partnered, not last week, last year, we partnered with a chiropractic firm in Sterling Heights. They reached out and said they had several families, they didn't have any food for Christmas, they didn't have any uh, gifts for the kids, and so they were looking for donations all throughout Sterling Heights, and so naturally they reached out to us, uh, they asked for, it was, it was embarrassing, it was a couple hundred bucks, like that's, that doesn't do anything, so we sent them a good amount, and they sent us a letter last year. And they said First Church was the largest responder to their campaign. And we took in 10 families. As, and we never asked a dime. And they reached out to us again last week, and we did the same thing. And so I want you to know, without coming to you and asking for another offering, right now there are going to be 10 families that will have food and presents on the table this Christmas for the holidays because of just in our own city. But the enemy can see what we're doing, but if we start to speak negatively and say, we're exhausted. This is too much money. This is too hard. This isn't worth it. The enemy is going to know, ah, there's something there. And he's going to try to drive a wedge in this church and try to break up what we're doing. But if we'll say, hey, listen, we're at $3 million. I'm believing God for five. I'm going to believe God for six or seven million. We're going to build something great. We're going to be in this city. The enemy will hear that and watch our actions. And the enemy is afraid. They conspired against Nehemiah. And here, Nehemiah, still pushed forward at halfway through the building project, continue to push forward and watch verse 16. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all of the people of Judah. This is the value of the church is that when one is tired, the other one will give relief. When you feel weak, there's somebody strong for you. When you feel strong, there's somebody that's going to be there to back you up that you can help out. But this is the value of the church is that we are in this together. We say it often that we are better together. We say it often that it, it, it's not just, this isn't built on one person. This is built on the whole community to reach this community. It's going to take all of us. And I'd like the musicians to come up as I come to a close. Nehemiah was a nobody, but he became somebody. If he remains just a cupbearer and he never traveled 800 miles to Jerusalem to rebuild those walls, we would have never had the book of Nehemiah. If Nehemiah chose to do what's comfortable, man, I made it. I'm in the king's palace. I serve the king. Pastor Hoffman says this all the time, so I can say this very uh, freely. This church doesn't serve one man. This church isn't built on one man. This is God's church. We serve him. So here we sit in front of him as the almighty creator serving him. But either we can be happy that we just come in these doors or we can make the choice to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to move forward. We're going to build something. We're halfway building. We're going to build something greater. And I want us to stand right now because we would have never had Nehemiah. If he never left the king's palace and did the work, it was, it was there at the, at the king's palace that he learned how to be political. He learned finances. He learned how to be relational. And when Nehemiah had to travel in between all those property lines, all those boundaries, 
He actually asked the king, the king said, is there anything I can do for you? See, if you can write letters, you got to be political. I think what's really cool, most of you don't know, I, I took a picture of this two meetings ago. So I was probably last month, your pastor, sister, often myself, Mikito was there. And in that room was Archelagian, who is the architect of the original, of this right here, what you're seeing. I took a picture because at that time, Noel Santos was on the Sterling Heights board and he had to approve our permits. Well, since then, Noel has retired from Sterling Heights, but Art called him to do one last project, which is First Church, this building we're doing now. And so 20, what is it, 20, 30 years later, in the same room was No Santos, who was working for Sterling Heights to approve the permits, is now the civil engineer for us. And Archelagian is the original engineer. And, and we'll get some videos for you soon so you can meet the team. So you can see when we're mentioning names, you'll, you'll see who these people are. We'll get some videos. You'll meet them, you know, via uh, the screen behind me. But when I was there, I took a picture of that moment because it's like history collided. It's like all these moments came together. And we have people that were retiring. Noel Santos was retiring. And he came out of retirement because he believed in First Church and the vision of building something great that his last job is First Church. People are stretching themselves because they believe in us and what we're doing because it's about the city. It's about the kingdom. And so I was talking to pastor a few weeks ago. I think Jeremiah was with me. And we were thinking like, man, we're at three million. We're trying to build, we need five. If we can get five, we can break grounds because we believe we can just maybe within the year of, of building, we'll, we'll gain another couple million dollars. And maybe we'll do it cash free. I think it was pastor that said something that's powerful. He said, why not five and 25? Let's do five million in 25. Do you believe God can do that? I believe, I believe we can do that. God's already opened the door and I want our ushers to come because we're gonna come celebrating we're going to return our tithe and offering, and we're going to return the commitment for Let's Imagine. But I just want you to remember something. Nehemiah had it comfortable at the king's palace. Nehemiah had it comfortable right where he was. All the food he wanted, all the provision he wanted, had the clout, had it all. But in Jerusalem, it was all broken. It looked like everything was gone, burnt up, demolished. And there are people that have lives like that. It seems like everything's burnt and demolished. Everything's just ruined. You, you had a dream once. You had a vision of accomplishing something. Somebody you know had that. Then all of a sudden, someone comes in and pillages everything and destroys everything. And you're trying to figure out, like, man, what do I do? Do what Nehemiah did. Get uncomfortable. Travel where you need to go. And let's start rebuilding. 800 miles is a long journey. Three years is a long journey. Three million seem like a long journey. But here we are already met that goal and I believe five in 25 I believe God is going to continue to honor what we're doing here because it's not about us let's build something that matters in this city something that's going to outlive you and me will impact these kids will impact those generations coming Lord I am so grateful that you trusted this generation God I can see what the previous generation did when they built this house God, with the vision and the dream that you gave pastor then, and with those elders that built this, look at where it's gone. From a group of 60 to 350. From only making a few thousand dollars a month to taking over a million dollars a year. 
to being able to watch just trying to take care of our local church to now lord we have built campuses all across michigan we have sent pastors out we have sent missionaries out we have helped build colleges and schools in other countries this church is now global because of a dream that you give pastor nearly 30 years ago and was built over 20 years ago with the room that we stand in right now and so lord as we stand on our elders shoulders right now with this new generation that is coming up my generation lord we are standing on those elders because they created they they gave us this place so now we're standing on top looking further down the road knowing that what you did for them and providing them was seen monumental to to gather 22 million dollars over 20 years ago now to do 8 million can seem the same but god if you did it for them you'll do it for us and i believe god every elders behind this is helping us build something so when we cut that ribbon we're gonna have generations from the first building to the newest generation from the first baby that was born this year god we believe it's going to come all of us together and so lord i'm asking as we return our tithe and offering as we come celebrating with our let's imagine campaign money what we have promised to give that god you're going to continue these efforts and that when we stand here in another year from now we're going to see that five million six million seven million because lord i don't want to put a missionary on hold i don't want to have to tell somebody in this church that we can't help them i don't have to look in our community and say we're all tapped out we have nothing left but god we want to continue to be an aid to this community to be an answer a safe place and for that we are grateful in jesus name we pray why don't you come celebrating as we sing this song that's